Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who think true grit starts at 220. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it is show number 479 for July 29th, 2020. On today's show, we're talking about fixing assembly and glue-up mistakes, continuing our mistake theme that we've done this month. Uh, before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for 65 years. Head over to rockler.com and check out their big annual garage sale, which includes all the tools and accessories you need for your shop. Shop, uh, blah! I was doing so good and then I just fell right off the bike skinned my knee now I'm crying for my mom okay stop by one of Rockler's 37 retail stores and check out one of the uh, in-store only deals that they have this month it's getting a little bit late in the month actually I'm noticing here but you might want to check it out see what they have left there Uh, so they have in-store clearance stuff up to 50% off Uh, they also have some overstock lumber slabs and turning stock this uh, garage sale is going to run, so we know this is from July 3rd to July 30th, which means at the time of the airing of this show, you got about a day. So, oh, yeah, man. 24 hours. So, Move don't it. miss it. Like getting down to name your own price. Yeah. We need the stuff out of here. Uh, Best the offer. Stuff, no offer the stuff refused. That's left, uh, the stuff that's left now, you could probably get a pretty good price on. <laughs> They're desperate. Go ahead. I think, I think we missed a golden opportunity when Mark started the show, said we're talking about making mistakes, and you know who else made a mistake? <laughs> yeah. Rockler, this guy sponsoring right here. the show. What a ding dong I am. All right. Oh, Go ahead, Matt. Rockler, making sponsorship mistakes for one year. <laughs> All right. If you uh, don't want to make a mistake, you can uh, help support the show. You can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. This week, we'd like to thank David Brown, Jerry at GA Woodshop, John Inderdean, Den? Inderdean? I don't Mm -hmm. know. Ray Gilmore, Michael Therig, uh, Michael again, Michael Reese, Eric Monson, and Russ Stucker. Sweet. How do you get how do you get Ender Dean out of that? Like Ender I don't know. There's no Dean in there. It's what, a tiny font, all right? Well, what happens is when when people like Matt and also Nicole does this, when there are a couple of vowels together, they just ignore them. They don't see two vowels next <laughs> to each other. So in their mind, two vowels equals nothing. It gets erased and they just kind uh, of put, you just push through it. Now it makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I it's it's been awkward since the wedding day. Hi, Nicole. Take you, Mark's bow. Yep. Uh, it's one of my favorite things about my wife. She, uh, she she can't read very well. She still can't pronounce our last name. Yeah, I mean, look look what she's stuck with, right? I mean, I think maybe she's just angry at the world because she got a went from a nice simple name to Spagnolo. Oh well, what are you gonna do? That's that's the pits. What can I say? Da, da, hey. Good job. All right. So speaking of Patreon, I thought I might mention what's going on over there. Okay. So Patreon, you guys know patreon.com slash woodtalk is where you can go to find this info out. Um, we have a couple different tiers. We keep it simple there. It's uh, basically you tolerate us 
That's for $2 a month. You like us. That's for $4 a month. And you love us. That's $10 a month. So I'm going to tell you what's in each tier. The $2 a month tier, you basically get your name shout out on the show like Matt just did. Uh, he'll probably mess up the pronunciation. So that's always fun. That's and uh, that's it. And then uh, the next one up is the $4 one. This is kind of the, the sweet isn't, spot. Isn't that the $3 tier? Matt mispronounces oh, you your name. You got to pay more for it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's extra. I could, I could make that happen. Uh, so for the $4 level, this is the one where you actually get some extra content. I don't know. We don't really talk about it much, but for a period of time, we were doing something called the email extra and we have probably maybe 35, 40 of those in the archive that's available to patrons only. So if you really like this show, you like the, the advice we give, or at least you like to make fun of the advice we give. Um, there's more of that. You actually get like 30, 40 extra shows at that $4 level. Okay. And then on top of that, of course you get a shout out on the show if you go up to the $10 level, it's everything from the previous levels, but you get a sticker that we send you, a Wood Talk sticker. So, you know, it's a, it's one of those things we can't give you much in return. It's it's just something we're trying to give you something. Uh, content is always a good thing. People people like to get more of what they're already here for in the first place. And it's just a, a few bucks a month. <clears throat> so if you want to check it out, that's patreon.com slash Wood Talk. And of course, we, we truly appreciate all of the individual support that you guys give us. So thank you. I don't even think I have a Wood Talk sticker. Those are exclusive. Uh, I can probably send you one. Yeah. You're worth it. <laughs> you're, you're worth it, the pennies <laughs> to send you a sticker. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. All right. So I think that's about it for all the uh, intro stuff. Let's get into what's on the bench. It's been a, been a heck of a couple of weeks. Actually, it's been a few weeks since we've recorded. Um, so I went to Seattle, uh, drove there because I didn't want to get into a giant tube in the sky sharing air with a bunch of sick people. Flying just scares me right now. Anyway, um, decided to drive though. So here's the thing. I'm curious. What's the most you guys have ever driven in a single day, single sitting drive for a road trip? Uh, 24 hours. Did you say 25 hours? 20, yeah, 25 hours. <laughs> like, this is a trick. I was on Mars. <laughs> no, 24, 24 You did? Hours. You went straight through all like an entire day. Yeah. Yeah, was that not can't a good be idea. healthy. I don't recommend that's that. Not good, that's not good for I, your actually, butt. I, I think it was total 28 hours, obviously not in a day, yeah. but like before Holy I stopped. smokes, dude. Yeah, not a that sounds idea. dangerous, actually. All right, well, anyway. It was. Yeah, I, can't, <laughs> I can't top that, so don't even bother asking me. Yeah, so mine isn't quite that bad. It's a 20-hour trip, roughly, between Denver and Seattle. Uh, on the way up, I just split it up about 10 each day. On the way back, I, I was just anxious to get home, so I left after we were working on Friday. I only got, you know, four or five hours in and then did the second day for like 15, 16 hours. That was rough. I was hurting by the end of it, but I, I was determined to sleep in my own bed. Uh, but anyway, enough about the trip uh, at Daryl's. It was pretty awesome. Um, I've been to his shop before. It's a pretty great experience for the uh, the Fremont nightstand. This is for the Fremont chest of drawers, which is kind of like the nightstand, but taller with more drawers. And uh, it's always interesting to see the way Daryl works. I, I sent you guys some texts about some of these things. Uh, Daryl is a guy who comes from a production background. He is someone who has produced furniture and designed furniture for years. And it's a situation where time is money. You know, sir, there are certain things that he does that as a lot of the, the folks who listen to the show are, are probably hobbyists, <clears throat> come at it from a perspective of, well, we got to make it the best it can be. It's always got to be the best. Oh, no, we can't use biscuits. We got to use whatever's the best. That's not the way Daryl thinks. Daryl wants it to be as good as it can be, but also really fast, really repeatable. So he he uses biscuits. I mean, it's a lamello machine, but he's using biscuits, uh, you know, with with aggression, <laughs> like everywhere. Aggression. Biscuits. There's a lot of aggression going on with that biscuit joiner. Uh, number twenty biscuits. Uh, and the piece, it's not like the piece isn't well built. It's actually very well built. It's just he's very smart about his implementation. Uh, of these things. So it's always impressive to see. And it's eye opening too about some of the eh, maybe misconceptions or prejudgment that I have in my head about the way stuff should be done. When I see the work that this man produces <laughs> at such a high level, you know, doing things that make me question just some beliefs that I have or, you know, prejudices that might be in my mind about woodworking, certain techniques, things like that. So great experience as always. Uh, Daryl's great. His wife is great. His two little dogs, Jelly and Jax are fantastic. They're hilarious and uh, had a really good time. And the other thing I wanted to mention, so I was supposed to have a new employee start 
So the, the Monday after I got home was going to be this dude's first day. Now we knew this going into it. He was going to be part-time because his, his wife is with child and due in August. Well, guess when the baby's birthday is <laughs> this Monday, <laughs> the day, the day the dude was supposed to start. <clears throat> I'm getting ready that morning thinking, okay, he's going to be here about nine o'clock. Let's, uh, let's get things you know straightened up and ready for him. And uh, I get a text that the baby oh. came. <laughs> well, at least he texted you. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll, don't, don't tell me you fired him for being yeah, late. So he's out now. So there's that. <laughs> You're fired. Now, I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but I figured we'd have a few weeks to kind of get him acquainted and then he would take some time off for the baby and then come back uh, at a part-time schedule. That was the plan, but we didn't even get that initial <laughs> thing. I guess it's better than him coming in for like two days and then it happens because now yeah. I got a, like a two day payroll to do for the guy. So yeah. So anyway, I don't, I'm not going to talk about him too much or reveal who he is yet until I kind of get a vibe for his comfort level. But, uh, I'm excited to, to, to move on to a two person situation again. I think Jason and I were very productive last year. So I'm looking forward to having that kind of thing again. Like scary productive. Yeah, it was kind of nuts. I huh? look bad. Well, and here's the thing. Jason wasn't even a woodworker. <laughs> you know, Jason was a very capable set of hands with a lot of manual sort of work experience, but not a woodworker. The person who's coming in now actually has a lot of woodworking experience. So I'm very interested to see what kind of impact that has when I can, I can actually say, Hey, can you joint and plane and get all these down to three quarters? I got to go inside and take a poop, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Stuff going to get done. It'll be curious to see like how well you mesh together. <laughs> like, do you come from different ideologies? Mm -hmm. Does he use too many biscuits? That's, that's a real question. <laughs> yeah. Cause if so, send him to Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Daryl needs some help. Yeah. I hope, I hope it works out. I mean, there's only so many questions you can ask before you, you get into the situation. You can't be like, so what are your interests? You know, what, what kind of music do you like? <laughs> I mean, there's just in terms of like employee employer sort of initial relationship, but you can't get too personal. Right. So, um, but uh, the vibe I got How from many him, episodes of wood talk, have you listened to? That's an important. Yeah, that's true. I think he's a, he's a fan. So what's your will favorite you name your newborn child after me? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Is that how I should have texted him back? How, how is little baby Mark? <laughs> see, see what he says. Okay. New, uh, new fathers always love that. Honey, I think we got an email. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shannon, what do you got going on? Oh, I um, I put on my big boy pants and I braved the Home Depot, mm. which <clears throat> I know doesn't. It's probably there's lots of people like, what are you talking about? I'm going to Home Depot for for months, but you know, once I started quarantining, it was just that much harder to like go back out into the <laughs> real world. <laughs> and w when I have this huge lumber stash, there was just no need. But the the um project I'm building, this kind of wall entry wall covered, it depends upon using like big box dimensional lumber. Like all of the parts are specifically sized around, you know, a one by eight and a one by six or whatever. Mm -hmm. And while I could do that with the lumber I have, you know that the minute you do that, people will be like, well, I have to build it using, you know, rough sawn walnut, or I have to use oak because he used oak, even though I may say in the video, use dimension lumber. If I don't use that, people are going to take issue with that. Sure. So it's like, I got to go to Home Depot. I got to go buy, you know, some, some regular dimensional pine. And, um, it was terrifying. <laughs> Let me just say there are, um, there are, there are a lot of people in, and I will say my County in Maryland has like the lowest, uh, instances of, of COVID, um, that anywhere else. And like, even like, I think a tri-state area, mm -hmm. they've done a pretty good job, but because of that, people have gotten really cavalier in recent yeah. weeks and there's like barbecues happening and like soccer games and things. And I'm not really sure how they're doing that. But at the same time, there's no like civil regulations saying you can't right. do it as long as it's outside. It's okay. Yeah. And I guess people think Home Depot is big enough that it's outside because, yeah. <clears throat> uh, yeah, it was, it was a little alarming and I got my boards and I got out of there as fast as possible. So yeah, that, that's the, that's the extent of my shop time going to home Depot and buying pine. Kind of Scary pathetic. times, man. I, I did my first lumber run, uh, the week before, just before I left. And that was the first time I've been to Austin hardwood since all of this stuff went down. Same thing. I kind of had enough of a stash that I can kind of dip into it and, and not have to worry about it, <clears throat> but finally made the trip and, um, they are not kidding around there. There's uh tape on the floor 
And I actually, as someone who's kind of aware of this stuff, I am concerned about uh, COVID and, and transmission and all that stuff. So uh, as someone who is kind of aware and paying attention, like a ding dong, I'm standing right in front of the counter and she's like, could you stand back behind the line? I was like, oh, yes, of course. And I <laughs> could, you, could you step back. Yeah, but they, they, they've got Yahoo. signage. They've got lines. Everybody's wearing masks. They're, they're taking it very seriously there. So um, at least to that extent, you know, going out and doing something, I felt comfortable there just because everyone else was following suit. Everyone's doing the same thing. This sucks. Yeah. We no one likes it. But this is how we're moving forward. It felt very comfortable. Well, for me, you know, a little part of me dies when I have to go to Home Depot to get lumber. It's like when Matt has to go buy lumber, you know, for making pallets. I spend I spend fifty hours a week working at like one of the largest distributors on the East Coast of fine hardwoods, yeah. and here I am at Home Depot buying pine. But you know, sometimes yeah. you got to slum it, Shannon. That's what you're doing. How <laughs> to slum it? Uh, what about you, Matt? Uh, what did I do? What, what what should we talk about this week? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about your vanity. Let's talk about that thing. So that thing's coming along. Not not the part of your personality, the project you're working on. Oh, well. Yeah, that's how I read the show. uh, (laughs) So I'm looking good, you know. I bet you think the show is still looking good. I'm still looking good. I'm looking better every day, you know. (laughs) It's hard to be me. Like a fine wine or a nice cheese. (laughs) It's getting better with age. Oh, man. <laughs> the, no, the vanity's going uh, really nicely. I got done with all of the uh, the casework, I guess. So I'm, I'm done making uh, boxes with beveled corners or mitered corners or whatever. Sure. And now I'm going to be making boxes made with uh, dovetailed corners to go into okay. those other boxes. You know, because that's that's how woodworking works. Just make a box to put other boxes in that slide sure. in and out. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, I got through all that casework. I think. Like going into that, it's a little intimidating trying to figure out like how am I going to get all of these miter joints to like come together nicely and look good and all that stuff. But it actually wasn't that bad. It was more like uh, it was a much more methodical sort of building process than just like dovetailing a case together. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. It worked out. I think it looks pretty sweet. I like the what the front bevel. It's like you got bevel joinery, then you got like a bevel detail on the front edge. Yeah. I think that adds quite a bit of depth to the piece and I don't know, get, getting there. What, uh, what'd you do for reinforcement? I did those, uh, domino things. Oh, domino, baby. Dominoes. Okay, oh. good, good. It was, uh, also with that too, you're like, I was like, this is easy. Like all I gotta do is make these bevels, make them look good and then just throw some dominoes and now my joinery's done. Yeah. Like the joinery is like normally like where I spend the majority of the time. But not this time. I still, I like a world that, that you set up in the last episode where we talked about the relative cost of things where you, you made it sound stupid that every woodworker doesn't own a domino. (laughs) It's like, it costs like less than your phone. So just, just shut up and buy it. (laughs) And then if everyone owned one, then we could all just use it and move on. Right. (laughs) That's that's a lot of it. It would be great. Let's do that. I think I'll end up using it more now just because I, again, I think I started it into this world when it was still a little taboo to bring yeah. it out. Yeah. And now it's like, if you do anything but that, it's like, why didn't you just do that? Right. So I, I maybe we're, yeah. maybe until the point where I can freely do things without the judgment of other people. Not that I normally care too much about other people's judgment, Yeah. but I only got so much like space for negativity in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, but just think about like, I mean, Daryl using, you know, biscuits yet. I mean, his furniture is beautiful. And the reason his furniture is beautiful is his attention to the grain and the flowing lines of the grain and the design. I mean, granted, he's firmly embraced the green and green aesthetic, but like Matt, your, your vanity, it's all about the grain, right? It's all waterfall. You know, specifically the joints are meant to be hidden. And when you look at, especially contemporary furniture, joinery is all Mm -hmm. hidden hell not even contemporary furniture most 18th century furniture the joinery is all hidden you know covered up with moldings and things like that it wasn't until like stickly and like ruskin came along with arts and crafts that joinery became a thing and and we kind of hobbyist specifically hobbyist woodworkers have perpetuated this idea that the joinery needs to be shown and which the lion's share of of quote fine furniture has hidden joinery to it it's just 
get stuff going together. Multi-router, domino, biscuits. Do it all. Well, and I, I also think there's a certain point in the journey where you start going, well, who cares what the joint is, right? Like you're saying, it's invisible. Right. You're never going to see it. You get to a point where you want to focus on design and you want to make, you know, play with yeah. proportions and angles and curves and how the pieces go together becomes a secondary thought. And that's, that's actually not where a lot of us start. I mean, for me, I know I started thinking about joinery first. And a lot of times, like if I couldn't cut a joint, that would limit what I could do with the design. So I wanted to make sure I was designing within my limits. Uh, but right now I'm working on a desk for Nicole. It's kind of mid-century modern inspired to an extent. So there's a lot of tapers. There's a lot of angles. There's a lot of bevels. And what's great about it is I could design this thing. I thought it was Jory Brigham inspired. <laughs> it is funny because it's just like I invented the cutting board. Jory apparently invented <laughs> mid-century modern. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. You can't do any he invented tapered legs. Yeah. You can't do anything like that. You can't, you can't even show a slab without someone saying that you're trying to be Matt Cremona. That's true. You know, or crotch or crotch. Exactly. I own that. I invented crotch. You, know you did invent it. That was nice of you. It was very nice of you. Cause mother nature. Nope. Matt Cremona. <laughs> it's a mad thing. <laughs> um, but anyway, I can't remember where I left off, but what I was basically saying is it's, by knowing that I could do a domino in that spot, I don't have to think about the joinery much and it frees my brain up and my brain's not that big. There's not much room in there for me to do things, but it frees it up so that I could start to think and kind of stretch my design skills a little bit because I'm not so focused on the stupid joinery. I know yeah. how that's going to get accomplished, but now I could do something fun with this design and move past it. So I think a lot like, it's sad to say this, but I think a lot of us, like, at a certain point, you don't have to prove it anymore that you can do a traditional Morris intended. Maybe yeah. That's a, there's a lot of that, too. Wait, like, how many times I, has Shannon said... I could said, do it if I wanted to. How many times, Shannon, have you said, well, I don't need to prove to people that I could flatten a board with a hand plane anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I've done it enough right. times. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. And and why would I why would I buy a 12-inch planer? If I'm going to have one power tool, go big or that's go right. home, man. 20 inches or butt. <laughs> Okay. Well, I mean, I have said that if I buy another power tool, it will be a domino because, because of the ability to just like, you know, turn off that side of my brain and really focus on line and form yeah. and, and design. Cause that's, that's, that's what, that's what turns me on about woodworking. <laughs> that's now, what tickles design. your pickles. That's really, yeah. You know, that's the fun part of it for right. me now. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into our main topic today. Let's do it. So, uh, over the years, I'm sure, all three of us have made our share of really boneheaded moves in the shop when it comes to assembling furniture, gluing things up. And I thought it would be, uh, well, we thought it would be fun if we each kind of just talk about some experience we had, maybe some mistake that we made, what we did about it, how it all went down, uh, you know, things along those lines. So I, I will jump in here first. Uh, I originally started woodworking in San Diego and, you know, it's a you know, warm climate, but not what I would call a, a very hot climate necessarily. So what I had started with was kind of what I always saw everyone else doing. You know, you just use glue. You got about 10 minutes or something, you know, to get these parts together before they start to tack up. Uh, but you have time. Well, when I moved to Arizona, it was incredibly enlightening how different things behave when it's like 95, 100, 105. <laughs> All of a sudden, and, all, and also, you know, like 5%, 10% humidity or something like that. <clears throat> uh, glue doesn't stay wet for very long in those conditions. And, uh, I, I would basically get about five minutes is about all the working time I would have. But the thing was, it's like being stupid. It, it took a while for that to sink in. So there were a few projects that I went through just using glue. Like I always have. And I'm like, why is this such a problem? I like, I thought I would be able to get this thing together in time, but I got joints season up on me. So that was a big experience, uh, a big learning experience when I moved to Arizona that has stuck with me to this day. So, you know, in Denver, it's cooler, but it's still dry here. So I still have a little bit, maybe not as bad as Arizona, but still a bit of an issue with glue setting up a little bit too fast. So to this day, I still am pretty heavily dependent on any glue with an open time that, you know, gives me more than five minutes. So, you know, things like polyurethane glue, epoxy, um, you know, sometimes hide glue. I'll, I'll use that as well. Uh, but these glues have been kind of like a mainstay for me. Type bond extend is another one. Um, that actually gives me time to put these dang things together. So I don't have one specific experience, but just kind of summing up my whole experience as a you know relatively new woodworker in Arizona, I had more more than a few projects that gave me problems because I just did not properly time 
the assembly and match a glue that was appropriate for that assembly time. So that sucked. <laughs> so Matt, I want to hear what you, I want to hear your bad experience with assembly. Uh, so I got a good one that's actually pretty recent, but I will also kind of lean into the long set time glues. But I think maybe like a few years ago, I started just using epoxy on like every larger furniture glue up just because it's like there's like much less risk yeah. of like I can take my time. I have to like furiously brush glue over everything and make sure I get it all together real quick. I can take my time, make sure everything's perfect. And if when I, by the time I'm checking for square, it's still like I could still pull it apart if I had to. Right. So it's I, I've definitely leaned into using epoxy on the uh, the furniture loops just from like a just be chill, man. You know, just take your time and relax, man. Don't rush. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, that, that's that's when things are going to go wrong if they're going to like you're yeah. going to be under pressure. You're going to make a stupid decision. You know, yeah, a long set, also, long set glue. It, helps it also that. gets harder, too, when you're trying to like do a video of it, because like I try to move the camera during the glue up, to, like show a different. <laughs> never do that. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so, everyone knows you never do that. <laughs> you get one view so, and you like it. That not only am I thinking about putting the project together in the correct orientation and order, I'm also thinking about how am I giving the viewer the best like view of what I'm doing? Yeah. Most most of the time, sometimes it's a time lapse <laughs> thing, but sure. so, usually I try to move the camera at least once or twice. Because the perspective might change throughout the, the glue up unless I'm doing a super wide shot. So I have that in the back of my yeah, mind. I don't too. recommend project glue ups in a live stream. That's a really <laughs> Ooh, bad idea. that sounds like a really bad idea. I've, I've done it and it surprisingly it worked. But yeah, after the thought, I was like, what was I thinking? That was stupid. When I was filming Daryl this past week, I had a couple of instances dur during a glue up where I had a two camera setup. So one wide shot on a tripod and then I had a camera that was mobile. And I'm getting all these great shots close up of the glue going into a mortise and then like just the joinery coming together. And I'm sitting there going, man, I am jealous. I am so jealous. I would love <laughs> to be able to do this. Glue ups are one of the worst things for me to film. I do not enjoy filming them at all because I'm like, they're just seeing this like, you know, this wide view and it's not nearly as exciting or dynamic as seeing what's going on up close. And I'm filming this thing going, man, I need a camera guy. <laughs> this would be so much nicer. <laughs> Yeah. Anywho. Okay. Uh, Shannon, what about you? Um, well, kind of, kind of twofold. Um, cause you guys have kind of hit on the glue side of things, but, uh, very first built-ins that I made, uh, had a whole bunch of frame and panel doors and I got a coping stick router bit set that I was just so jazzed about, you know, it had a, a whole set with like the, the raised panel bit as well. And I made these really cool, uh, frame and panel doors with ovalo moldings and raised panels. And honestly, like I didn't know what I was doing. It was one of those examples where you get the tool and you can do this really complex thing, but you don't quite understand what you're doing. And I was so jazzed to have those parts come together, the, the rails and styles that I just went ahead and put glue on them <laughs> and realized, oh crap, you can't put the panel in. And like, it was this, it wasn't like a, like a head slap, like you idiot. It was like, Oh wait, like, oh, like it was a sudden realization that, well, how do I get the panel in there? And then I had to like step back and go, you mean I'm supposed to glue it in, you know? And then, then like the next yes. one, I actually glued the panel. Like I froze the panel and I totally defeated the purpose of framing panel. What's interesting though, is those doors are still good. Wow. <laughs> well, the, the one without the panel, I ended up like back rabbiting it like with a handheld router and just like slipped it in. And then I ended up like, uh, uh, what you would call it, Brad nailing like glazing strips around the back to hold the panel in. But the other one that's actually the panel is frozen in place. Never been an issue. I mean, it's like a 10 inch wide panel. So it's just one of those one day, I assume it will probably bite me. But yeah, it was this like <laughs> sudden, wasn't even like you're an idiot moment. It was just like, oh, wait, this is not, I have to like put that in. Something's first. missing. Um, the, the worst part is, is I probably repeated it like eight years later by like gluing up a case that had like a shelf that went in it that was completely captured in a groove and I just spaced it completely. <laughs> and it was a lot of dovetail joinery that, yeah, oh. just put it this way. I used ledger strips and rested the shelf on the ledger strips from that moment on. But the real, like the thing that you guys didn't really hit on that gets me a lot is clamping. Yeah. Um, there's been many a time when I've had 
you know, I've got my glue out, I've figured out, I've got my parts laid out. And usually it's when there's like multiple of the same thing, like you're gluing up five different drawers at the same time. And it's the same glue up, right? It's, you know, dovetails at each corner and you, you have the clamping set up. You figure it out for one drawer. You, you even apply the glue kind of the same way. And I apply it onto the tails and I brush it around and then I brush it into the pins, assemble, put the clamps on. I did the next thing on the next drawer and realized, crap, I don't have enough clamps. Or like the clamps are all the way over on the other side of the shop, which fortunately my shop's not that big, but still mm -hmm. it's like interrupts the rhythm and that's all it takes. It's like, you know, once you, once, once you lose the rhythm, once you, you lose the, the key of the song, you can't find it yeah. again, you know, you're, you're out of it. And, and, but there's been multiple times when I've just like, just assumed I was good to go by like walking through a dry run of like one drawer box. Right. And then I just get into it. And then I realize I only have enough clamps to do three drawers <laughs> and I've got glue on all the drawers. Cause I was just on a roll. I'm like, you moron. <laughs> That's when the rubber bands come yeah. out and like, String, you know, tape. nails and things <laughs> and, you know, to make it work. Yeah. But yeah, clamping continually gets me to the point where now I've really, really focus on part of my, like my dry run is like staging clamps, mm -hmm. like putting them, clamping it all up, certainly doing a dry fit, but then assembling it and laying the clamp like next to the joint. So this clamp goes with that joint, et cetera, because I, I have really screwed up some stuff just by fumbling around with clamps. Yeah. It's amazing how much that can, how many problems mean? that can prevent just do, not doing oh, the dry yeah. run fully, you know, making sure every single clamp is where it needs to go and then taking it off, putting it right next to you. So it's all there when you're ready for it. Well, I actually find that I need to, and this is kind of getting into you know, the part after the mid roll that we're going to do here, but I think doing multiple dry runs yeah. is important. Well, that's just crazy talk, Shannon. Yeah. Well, you know, for that. the first time through it works, <laughs> got time but then for you that. have to recreate it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I got all the joints to close up. I got all the clamps. This looks good. Now take it all apart and do it yeah. again. And I'd be willing to bet you when you go, you're like, wait a minute, did I put this clamp on first or did this clamp go here? And yeah, a lot of times if it's a complex glue up, I will actually go through it two and three times before I even pull out the glue. Maybe I'm just an idiot. Yep. You know, I have a really short term memory, <laughs> apparently. But yeah, I'm all for, you know, one dry run. But I mean, more than that, you're just, you know, come on now. You're just cuckoo. It's my performance background. Okay. You got to have multiple dress rehearsals. <laughs> no, no, you got no, a tech no, no, rehearsal no. and then you've got, you know, full scoring, full costume, sure, yeah. you know. I, f I feel you. Okay. Yeah. I do it naked once, once in full clothing. It's important. You have to, to picture that. everyone that's watching you naked. Yes. Get over your stage yes. fright. No. I, I yes. got you. So another thing that I have run into a number of times and if you've never done a large case, this is something you want to watch out for. So I'm trying to think if you've got a really wide joint, maybe it's something that's almost impossible to get clamping pressure in the middle. So you're putting together a big cabinet, right? So you got a dado that goes down, maybe a shelf in the middle, but you're able to get clamps at the front and the back, but you can't get clamps in the middle. So I've run into this problem where everything looks fine. You just assume you're putting that piece in a dado, you squeeze it at the front and back, boom, everything's great, right? Only to find out afterwards you put a straight edge on the outside of the case and it's bowed in the center <laughs> because you had no clamping yeah. pressure there and no way to apply pressure. So that's just a word of warning. I can't think of a specific instance, but that has definitely happened to me a number of times. Uh, and that's where... How about the opposite? Too much clamping pressure that creates the... Well, bow. there you go too. So calls. 38 pounds per square inch with those parallel clamps is a bit of overkill, right. but yeah... That'll bow a drawer box real yeah, fast. Yeah, definitely cause some problems. So, uh, uh, you know, I've learned that having a call go across there, or if there's any way to add screws for reinforcement, a screw right in that middle part would be perfect to just kind of pull that thing together. Uh, but you got to watch that because especially if maybe you're doing a built-in or something, maybe the tolerance is very tight and you've got that bow out that you didn't calculate for. And now this thing isn't going to fit where it's supposed to go. Uh, so that's always a bummer. All right, um, you guys know whose glue never dries too fast? Not Mark. <laughs> That's right. Definitely not mine. All I'm mine here, dries too fast. I'm trying to think fast. of something really witty to say. It's not coming to me. Don't worry. No, There's no wit in the show. Rockler on that one. <laughs> this, is, this is an unplanned type bond. Yeah, type bond, actually. Well, you know who sells type bond? Oh, there we go. Good Rockler. save. Rockler sells type bond. They got that stuff there. <laughs> they do. But they actually have all the tools that you need to avoid assembly mistakes, including clamps, innovative, innovative corner clamping products. I want to talk about those in a second. Uh, marking tools, measuring tools, 
and more. So uh, I'm going to put links specifically to two products I think you should check out. Um, have you ever seen their clampet squares? So they're the big yes. uh, yeah. like molded plastic dealies. They are looking at them okay. right now. The, got three of them. Over they got the right angle one, and then they have an adjustable angle one. Uh, the first time I had big cabinet projects to do, this was shortly after moving to Arizona. Um, I was running into trouble keeping everything square. And I've, I've made a couple of clamping aids and things like that, but I'm like, ah, I am, there are things that I can make, but I am much more of a, look, if someone already has a good solution and it's a reasonable price, I'd rather buy it and just keep building furniture. So the clamp it squares came out and I bought a set and it was a game changer. Just having the ability to keep things nice and square during assembly, during glue up uh, is a huge part of avoiding mistakes. So they've got the clamp it squares. You can get them with or without the clamps. And they also have this adjustable version. So maybe you don't have a 90 degree angle. Maybe it's 45 degrees or 22 and a half degrees. You can actually set this thing, tighten it up, and then use it the same way, like a regular clamp it square, only it's locked in at the exact angle that you're looking for. And I'm doing oh, a lot of angles so right good. now. Something yeah, like that would are. be really handy. You are. I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, these clamp it squares were a game changer for me. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of other squares out there. I think people have caught on to how useful it is to have something made out of either metal, plastic, or, you know, something rigid that allows you to securely clamp multiple parts together like that at a, at a right Another angle. Another thing you can use those for is like uh, temporary legs on uh, pieces. So if you want to stand a panel up on edge, oh, you yeah. can clamp that to yeah. the, uh, the side oh, yeah. of it and have it mm-hmm. be like a little outrigger thing too. So, I mean, this, I mean, it's not just for assembly, baby. It's for all right. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Nice. That's good stuff. Well, you can find all of that at rockler.com. And uh, of course, if you do have a question about assembly, or you want to talk through how to fix a mistake, you can always ask a retail associate or contact Rockler's product support team at support at rockler.com. Or here's a number, 1-800-GET-YOUR-PENCIL-OUT. Pencil and pad. 1-800-GET-YOUR-PENCIL-OUT. 1-800-GET-YOUR-PENCIL-OUT. I just realized I got to give them an advanced warning. 1-800-260-9663. Rockler's experts can answer questions about Rockler products, but also about other woodworking topics. So you got, a, you got something that's stuck together because your glue dry too soon? Give them a call. And they're going to tell you to uh, to throw it away and start over. Okay, we need someone to call in and ask what the best (laughs) woodworking podcast is. Oh my gosh! Somebody's got to do it, and you need to record the call. You've got to (laughs) record it, please, and and send it to us. Oh, that would be amazing because they'd have you know they're not going to know. (laughs) They're not going to. They're not going to have an answer. A pod? What? A what? A who? A what what now? (laughs) On it? uh, You put that on an iPod? Yeah. What now? No, no, you load that on your Zoom. Yes, well, <laughs> Diami does. Oh, you, you, you think he still has one? I gotta I ask. Hope so. him. He's got to. Yeah. Oh, if you guys don't know who we're talking about, our good buddy uh, Diami Plotki over at uh, Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. And now that you know what, let's give him a little plug. They actually just interviewed Daryl uh, just a couple of days ago. So if oh, you go nice. to, I think it's at modern modernwoodworkersassociation.com is the website. If I'm not mistaken, uh, go there check out the latest interview with Daryl Peart. Pretty awesome stuff. Those guys are always doing something good there. Uh, And speaking of always doing something good, Rockler, thanks for uh, sponsoring the show. We appreciate it. Oh, a nice tie-in. Yeah. Well, you know. Thanks for those F-clamps that I've been using for the last 15 years, Rockler. (laughs) They they still work. You got the, like, the little small... Sorry, I haven't bought more, but they work so well. I haven't been back to buy more. Which ones? Are they, like, the small uh, six-inch ones? The blue ones? Uh, Yeah, blue Mm -hmm. ones. I think they're 12. Yeah, I got I got a whole bunch of small six inch ones. Is that perfect size? Like if you're going to stock up on a clamp, that six inch, roughly six inch size. It's really nice. I got a bunch of blue ones. Got a couple 24s and 12s and I do have some six. Sweet. Yeah, they're just good old fashioned F clamps and that lovely blue color. I love it. I don't think they do that anymore, though. I think a lot of their clamps are like black. They got away from the blue a little bit. Bring back the Rockler blue. (laughs) Bring bring it back. (laughs) Bring it back. Actually, bring it back. Honestly, uh, Matt, you had a choice in color for your trailer, and I'm a little disappointed that you didn't go with Rockler Blue. Well, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're more of a candy apple red man. Uh, yeah, yeah, I will say that's, about, that's accurate. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was disappointed you didn't, you didn't use a layered milk paint. Yeah. Follow Peter Galbert's. Milk painting. Do a little sand through to expose nice, the other color. A nice yellow and a green and a black yeah. and red. You weren't thinking, <laughs> were you? 
<laughs> and every time you load it with a log, you can uncover a new color. Mm-hmm. It's like a rainbow. All right, so like what uh, I have now, I got three different colors on there. We got metal color and red. No, I've got black, gray, and then metal red color. Oh, primer coats and stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, look at you <laughs> metal doing color. it right. I, I'm still stuck on metal. <laughs> <laughs> metal color. <laughs> oh, shnikes! Uh, right. I think we actually have a purpose for being here today. Um, let's get back to our little talk on assembly. No, not really. Okay. So we have a couple of tips and this is just us noodling and coming up with things that we think might be helpful. We probably touched on a few of these already, but, uh, let's just go through them. Let's, let's rotate through guys, if that's okay. Um, so the first one I have here is cambered calls. So this relates to the problem I had just mentioned. You're gluing up a case. You need to get clamping pressure in the middle of the case, but there's no a clamp with a deep enough throat that it will actually reach, you can simply clamp with a cambered call. Think of a, a piece of wood that was purposely made a little bit curved, right? So you make it so that it's making contact at the center, but it's lifted up on the ends. Well, when you apply clamping pressure at the ends, it also applies pressure at the center. So you only need two clamps to get that entire joint clamped. You could use these not only on casework, but you could actually use it on, uh, any kind of panel glue up. Anytime you want to apply pressure over a long surface with minimal clamps, a cambered call is going to, especially if you're just starting out, a cambered call is going to be a great clamp saver. And you can make them. Just remember, don't glue the call to your Don't do that. Cover it in like packing tape or something that isn't going to accept accept glue. But yeah, you can, and you can make them yourself. Um, Does bow, bow clamp still exist? There's a company called Bow Clamp that would make these cambered calls, um, like you know, commercially available pre-made I think ones. Lee Valley still sells somebody's. Okay, maybe maybe their own. Oh, may have made know, that up. You know who I just saw put up an ad for that is a uh, Rockler. No, jeez, what am I talking about? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if that was the case? No, <laughs> my head's not on straight, guys. Um, <laughs> wood, woodpeckers, woodpeckers was just oh. advertising. Um, like they said something about made to order cambered calls. So I don't know. I haven't looked at them, so I don't know what, what the deal mm. is, but they're making them too. It's good stuff. Precision camber. That's right. When you need that perfect camber. The curve is fared within a thousandth of an inch. I, you know, how much, how much science do you think there really is behind the camber? Like I've made a few here and there. And if you don't get the amount of bulge, <laughs> Whatever it is, the, the amount of curvature, if you don't get that right, you know, you may have to really crank down and, and maybe you're getting too much pressure at the center and not enough pressure at the end. So there is a little give and take to it. I don't think it's, you know, like a, a super easy thing to do, but I also don't think it's that difficult. Contradicting myself here. I'm just marking down the show title. Give up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Matt, you want to grab the next one? Clamping squares. I feel like we're just talking about things we already talked about. But anyway. I guess we kind of just talked about it. Well, you know what? Actually, should we just take the things we didn't talk about? Uh, You see how good the plan is. I'm going to tell a story while you're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could just use a board with a square corner on it. Oh, yeah. All right. You both talking at the same time confuses me. I didn't hear what you said. What did you say, Shannon? Just a board with a square corner okay. on it. But how can you be sure it's square? I know. <laughs> square. I actually think we're better at this show in the morning. It's evening and we're not doing so great. Yeah. Yeah. No one listens anyway. How about um <laughs> how about spr- how about sprung joints? Kind of in the same vein as a cambered call, you know, conceptually sort of similar or maybe it's kind of the opposite yeah. in in a way. Um, Shannon, tell us a little bit about sprung joints. How interesting that you bring that up, because by the time this hits everyone's earballs, I will have done a live session where I've cut a spring joint over on the Renaissance. Oh, Hotel. really? So there you go. I have to link that out in the show notes. Yeah, it was a question I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we go. I, if only <laughs> I did the show notes. Wait, I do. Um, spring joints are, are interesting because certainly they say, you know, the idea is you can put a slight hollow in the center of that panel joint and then just use a single clamp like right across the hollow mm-hmm. and it, the pressure, the clamping pressure closes up the hollow. And then it, it's like you said, it's a reverse part of a, of a, of a call. 
So it's putting more pressure and closing up the ends. So certainly it's nice you could get away with one clamp. Honestly, I do this all the time making spring joints, but I always use multiple clamps. I just, I don't know. I just don't trust it to just put one clamp on a panel. That and the fact that then the clamp, like the panel won't balance against the wall nicely, you know, and mm-hmm. it's falling over and stuff. So I'm always putting multiple clamps on it. But the real reason is um, moisture exchange happens more readily at the ends of the boards where the ingrain yeah. is. So there's more expansion and contraction ha- happening at the end of the board that can cause that joint to separate. So by putting the ends of the board into compression, you put a small, very, very slight hollow in the middle of the board, which is compressing the ends of the board. And it allows that expansion and contraction to happen. The the greater expansion and contraction of the ends can happen without the risk of opening up the joint. It's actually the same principle that's used in like um, uh, earthquake construction, like Japanese temples. Mm -hmm. All the joinery is put under compression. So the dynamic forces of a shaking earthquake don't actually loosen the joints because they're already slightly tight. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with a, a spring joint. So while it's nice for clamp up, the real reason is that that ingrain or excuse me, moisture exchange on the ingrain. And I've always heard like historically this was significant because we had wood that may not have been, you know, dried as well. We had conditions where furniture is being stored in homes that are not conditioned, um, you know, not consistent in, in humidity levels throughout the year. So I've always heard about that sort of at the ends, having a problem with uh, with the, the panels or the board shrinking. And it wasn't until like a couple of weeks ago, I was working with some home store, Western red cedar loaded with moisture, <laughs> but I needed to move on. I needed to get, I needed to get a thing you, done. You could right? ring that stuff out. <laughs> it was, it was about that bad. Yeah. I mean, in some cases I would plane it and then start to see water droplets on the top. I'm like, oh man, this is, this is bad. So I did give it some time to let, you know, to just shed <laughs> some of that moisture before gluing it up, but I still had to move on with the project. So the, the, you know, there's probably still over 20% moisture in there. It was, it was, it was bad, but it was a project that w- it wasn't a critical thing. So I glued the panels up and then after it sat in the shop for a little while, and these things actually did acclimate and start to, to lose all that moisture at the very ends, like the entire primary core of the panel was just fine but at every end every single one of those joints had let go and started to expand and crack at the ends and i'm like well that's kind of cool i mean i I understood the theory behind this and historically i understood why it made sense but now i can see if they were under compression it would have at least had a fighting chance of resisting what had happened and that might have been something that was more common you know back in the day when these things weren't as tightly controlled as they are today so to a point. To a point. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that was probably, there was no fixing that wood. It was, stuff was so yeah. wet, but yeah, to a point. Yeah. It works. All right. Uh, what else do we have? We talked about the dry run. That's super important. Uh, who put sub assemblies in here? That's a good one. I did. I'm a, I'm a firm believer because I know it's heresy, but I am not a believer in you can never have too many clamps. <laughs> I have get off the show. A modest collection of clamps. <laughs> I know, you! right? Right. I'm, I'm going to be tarred and feathered. And <laughs> people are going to come after me for this, but I've actually gotten along just fine for more than 10 years with a pretty modest collection of clamps. Mm-hmm. And there are times when I run out of clamps. I said it earlier on this show and I, it forces me to do sub assemblies when a clamp, when a glue up gets really complex. Um, I've also discovered that just breaking the, the overall assembly into little sub assemblies helps me with things like keeping a case square because the way I, I describe it to my hand tool school students is imagine you have a table that has like 12 parts, you know, just laid out on the bench. If you can glue up the two ends, you know, apron and two legs and an apron and two legs, you just took six parts and made it into two parts. And now your total glue up, instead of it being 12 parts, you know, you're down to like four or five parts mm-hmm. that you have to, to mess with, that you've got to figure out where this goes, make sure the, especially in hand tools, when every joint can be unique. You know, they weren't all cut by machines. So that tenon, even though it's technically the same size, doesn't actually fit into that mortise over in that corner. So I, I do this, I think just about every single project I do mm-hmm. now where there's some sort of sub assembly, you know, sometimes it's just as simple as glue up the case and then glue the molding around the outside, but it just makes life so much easier. Um, you know, you, you can put on a more <laughs> mellow soundtrack for your glue up because you're just 
you're just doing two clamps, you know, and then, you know, you move on. There's times where I do that and I'm wondering, should I be doing this? Like, am I, is this the, the lazy way to do it or is it the smart way? Yes. Like, because, but ultimately you, you, you have to wait longer. It's going to take longer. Um, but you can really focus on getting that, like whatever it is, let's say it's at, at a right angle, getting all the pressure right where it needs to be, making sure it's perfectly 90 degrees. And then it's just one entire less thing to worry about when you go to the next stage of glue up. Uh, I can't remember a project that I've done in recent history that did not involve at least some level of a, a sub assembly. Well, and let's face it, the clamping time of most modern glues is not that long. Like a lot of glues will tell you 20 to 30 minutes, depending upon your climate, you know, in Arizona, it's <laughs> five minutes, but you know, while it's under pressure, yeah. now there's a difference between clamping time and what do you call it? Curing time or time before you apply load or stress to the mm-hmm. joint, but you can clamp up a panel for 20 minutes, take the clamp off and move on to another panel. So in a lot of instances, like I find this a lot with which cases with drawers and things like that, I will glue up a drawer, put the clamps together, move on to the next drawer. And I've got enough clamps to maybe do three drawers. By the time I finished the third drawer, I can wait like five minutes and pull the clamps off the first drawer. You know, that's one dance break, you know, turn up the, turn up the music and go a little, go a little nuts and then go take the clamps off and start. Sure. Over. Sounds good. Yeah. So it's, I, I don't think you're actually losing that much time, but at the same time, I don't care. I'm not a production yeah. shop. So if I, if I get a break to go sit down and have a nice cold drink, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just thinking of um, something I saw this past week, sorry to keep up, uh, keep bringing Daryl up, but he's a, uh, he's an interesting Sick dude. Sick of Daryl. Interesting methods. No more Daryl. Dropping Daryl's here, guys. <laughs> what do you, what do you, what do you want? Um, so he has a drawer glue up jig. So it is a dedicated jig that is, and of course everything is very specific for his finger jointed, uh, boards. It's specifically set up to do that thing that is usually very difficult or annoying to do when you have a dovetailed or finger jointed, um, drawer, you're trying to get pressure right, like in line with the center of the, the sides or the front. And it's hard to get the clamps right where they need to be. And especially if you've got like a a dovetail pattern, a lot of times you got to cut yourself like a little mini version or take one of your practice dovetails, cut that off the end of the board and use it as some kind of a clamping call that puts the pressure where you need it. So this whole jig is designed to bring three, two, three, yeah, three parts together, everything but the back, but everything is dead square that like how many times have you glued a, a drawer together? You think everything is fine, but then you actually take the assembled drawer, you sit it down on a flat surface and it's rocking. So something had to have gotten skewed at some point. And this jig is just, it, it's amazing. It's fairly simple, but it's, it's really well engineered to do this one thing really, really well. So it just got me thinking about sub assemblies. Like he doesn't take any chances. Every one of those finger joints is tightly closed, fully glued and everything comes out dead square. But you could see someone who's like, he's done enough of these that he's like, I can't afford to have a glue up, just, ha- you know, not have a perfect drawer. The drawer has to be perfect every time. Right. Well, I mean, think about how much time it takes to fit a drawer that's not quite right. A lot more. And that, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> I yeah, mean, we, I was actually going to bring up the dovetail call thing because that's actually one of my favorite tricks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, anytime I've got a larger, especially a dovetail case, I'll just grab, you know, a bit of two by four material and mark out my dovetails and make a custom call, throw some packing tape on it and I'm good to go. Um, those things, have, they're just fantastic. They make life so much easier. And yeah, they're disposable. Um, I suppose coming up with a cool jig, but I, I don't know. How does he, how does he make it adjustable or his draw? I guess the drawers are not that dramatically different. So the range of adjustment doesn't have to be that wide. Yeah. He's got two sizes. So he's got one for smaller range drawers and then one for the larger range. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much covers all of his needs. I mean, you can go to the other extreme. Like when I go to the, um, our millwork house, especially in the cabinet section of the millwork house, I mean, there's all these pneumatic clamps and things that, you know, specific drawer jigs, specific case box jigs, and you, you mm-hmm. basically slather on some glue, throw parts in and hit a button and everything yeah. just <laughs> comes together. Yep. It's very cool. Like the, the panel um, clamping carousel we have is a, it's a eight sided um, panel clamp that rotates on a central spindle. 
So you yeah. can throw in your panels and then it rotates around to the next thing and rotates around to the next thing. It's really cool. I've, uh, I've seen one of those at Austin hardwoods in the back. Yeah. Those they're amazing, but they look terrifying. At oh the yeah. Same time. No, they're, they're, they're something out of like, I don't know, Dune or yeah. weird sci-fi cyberpunk thing. But yeah, yeah. still want one. That's pretty cool though. Just cause it's good stuff. Like, throw boards, hit button, you have panel and it's perfectly yeah. flat, you know, totally flat. It's awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for us today. Uh, remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler. Rockler is a family owned business since 1954. They're your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Be sure to visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $39. And Rockler, bring back the rubber bands. They're awesome. Rubber bands? <laughs> like assembly rubber bands? I, I, have, I have a box of like big, heavy-duty rubber bands that are like perfect oh. for clamping up boxes. I yeah. think you can get them at <clears throat> Woodcraft. Sorry, Rockler. I maybe not supposed to say that here, but uh, I bought mine at Rockler company doesn't like, exist years Wood ago. What? I bought these and I, they're awesome. I use them all the time. Perfect thing for yeah. drawers, for small boxes, just mm -hmm. big old. I mean, you could buy rubber bands just about anywhere, but these are like big, wide, like one inch wide industrial rubber bands and they come in a variety of sizes and they're just awesome. It's like the perfect huh. clamp. I like them okay. a lot. All they have is bandsaw tires. I just searched. Yeah, well, they have those like rubber band clamps that like clamp like a face frame onto a case side. Those are yeah, pretty the, cool. Uh, bandy clamps. Yeah, it's like a spring yeah, clamp with a rubber band stretched nice. between them. Those are pretty cool. But they used to have the, you could buy a pack of 10 rubber bands. You know, it was just awesome. Bring I need back. me some bandy clamps now, guys. I'm looking at these things. Why do I not <laughs> yeah, have any these? Those? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, have you great. used them? They have 481 five-star reviews, or at least the average is yeah, for, I mean, it so, works as advertised. Works even better than It's like a, a so, really good like spring clamp normally, but then you had the little band thing there, so you can it's like a three a three point get, clamp or whatever those are called. Face frame. You get clamps. enough pressure you get enough pressure and it's not pulling back yeah. on you. Like yeah, it's yeah. So enough. anytime you'd like use like blue tape to put uh, edge banding on something, this is like five hundred times better. Oh hey, hey uh Megan, I know we don't we, we don't normally talk to you directly on the show, but See if she uh, listens. My <laughs> We're gonna find out if you listen to the show because I could use a couple of bandy oh clamps if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I think we all could, except Matt. I think Matt's good. Uh, Matt's Matt already got them. So Shannon and I. Yeah, I think oh, me and Shannon, okay. uh, we we could use them and review them on the show. How about that? There we go. Sounds, Sounds great. Good. Let's do this. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's do this. Right. Use our powers for stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have questions about anything we've talked about or maybe have a question for a future show that we might read six months from now, <laughs> send it to, well, go to woodtalkshow.com and fill out the form to submit that question or find us on Instagram. We're there at woodtalkshow. You can send us a direct message. Um, we check those every now and then. Um, or you can just post something on Instagram and say, answer this question or whatever. Or use your phone to record a voice memo and email that to woodtalkshow at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us individually. You can find Mark hanging out in Daryl Pierce's <laughs> shop over at yeah, Wood Whisperer. My buddy Daryl. You can find Matt gawking at men actually doing work, felling trees while he stands there with his camera off to the side. I have to tell you, though, enemies. like, well, I had the drone for that, and I put the drone up there, like, in the tree with them, and I'm like, yep, I belong on the ground. This, there's <laughs> no way I want to be up there, 60 feet off the ground, cutting limbs. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, something, mm -mm. something about a chainsaw that hangs and dangles from your belt just freaks me uh, out. It's, it's a totally different perspective, like actually being able to see what they see up there looking down. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, Ooh. yeah. That's a, that's a hard I'm pass. Good. Ooh, I can't wait to see that footage. When does that come out? Uh, I want to like mid-August, I think, a couple weeks here. All right. Got to get through Well, he might post it on his Instagram account, in which case you can find him at, at Matt Carmona. Oh, I could do that too. I could put a little, a little teaser clip. Yeah. Yep. Do it, do it. No, looking forward to it. And I'm a Renaissance woodworker, but I don't really post anything. I did today. So. Once a week. About it. But social, social call to action this week. Make make me wrong, folks. Prove to me that there you can never have too many clamps. Let's see your clamp collection. How oh big boy. is it? How meager is it? 
how proud of it are you, etc., etc. Send us pictures of your clamp collection and hashtag Wood Talk or WT479. Well, hopefully, I'll be able to send you pictures of my bandy clamp collection. Yeah. <laughs> when I have one. <laughs> She's just going right. to send well, one. Yeah, one for each of us. Not even a pair. Jeez. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. See ya. Bye-bye. Happy clamping. Happy clamping. Bye, rubber band clamps. <laughs>